Welcome to another episode of the Finance and Property Survival Guide. My name's Damien. I'm a 24-year-old from Newcastle, Australia. When I finished high school, I felt like a lot of my education left out the most important things that I needed going forward. Stuff like getting a mortgage, budgeting for big purchases and investing were never really talked about or explained in any great detail. I want the Survival Guide to serve as the middleman for anyone looking to learn about finance and property. Each week, I'll endeavour to speak to and learn from some of those within the industry to help break down the finer details of the finance and property sector. Today on the show, it was another of our Finance and Property with Money Saver Home Loans episodes. Today on the show, David and I spoke about the upcoming uh, ideas setting forth from Josh Frydenberg with the new budget being released. Uh, actually, by the time you hear this, the budget will have been released. We also talked about the changes to investor lending uh, reported among the banking sector, different banks extending their cashback offers, and much, much more. If you, if you, uh, God, I'm losing my words. If you enjoy the episode and you like what we do, please uh, subscribe to us on Spotify and any other place you listen to podcasts. If you want to get in touch with me with an idea of someone you'd love to hear being interviewed on the show, you can email me at damien at moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. So the first bit of news I wanted to talk to you about was actually, I found this today, it was actually yep. shared by one of our mutual like uh, uh, business friends, I guess, or whatever. Um, yep. It was from Fortune Property Finder. Richard and Kelly yep. brought this out on their Facebook page. Um, yep. Part of like the pre-budget releases that yep. sometimes they'll do to talk, see if people respond well to things through the media. Um, yeah. Today was was spoken out that Frydenberg's uh, Josh Frydenberg, who's the treasurer, is going to yeah. add ten thousand places to the home loan guarantee scheme, as yeah. well as um, first home buyers will be able to release up to fifty thousand dollars from their super fund accounts as long as yeah. they are living within the property that they buy with the proceeds, um, yeah, which seems like a pretty big step. So yeah. um, I just wanted to get your ideas and thoughts on that news. Yeah, look, the the ten thousand um, is probably a good thing because at the moment there's ten thousand uh, spots um, under the new home scheme and ten thousand under the you know buy an established home loan scheme, and yeah, you know, it's not yeah. enough for the for the number of people that that do it. the The only interesting thing we haven't seen, yeah, you know, they'll they'll release more stuff, I'm sure, but the problem we've got at the moment with property is there's not enough supply. So yeah. one of the things that these these initiatives could do is just spur more demand, which could just continue to increase prices, which is the which is the problem we've got at the moment. Like I think we've spoken before, we've got a client who um, it took twelve weeks for their building approval to get development approval. It's a no brainer. Like it's it's a standard house on a standard block, and it takes twelve weeks to get approved. And that's the problem. The problem at the moment is not um, affordability. Like it's probably it's never been cheaper to buy a property. The problem is um, lack of supply. So it's it's basically like the the fire's out of control. So what they're doing is throwing more petrol on it rather than um, you know putting more wood on it to try and slow it down a bit or you know reducing the oxygen to 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 stop it a bit. The thing with super, I've I did hear that they were looking at. Um, some sort of thing. Um, it sort of makes sense, you know, that if you are going to live in a property, yeah, it's pointless renting and having all this money going in the super. You know, you're probably better off. I guess you know most people don't access their super till their late sixties now. 
you know, when you're 25 and trying to buy a house, that's when you need the cash. So it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. There'll be plenty more announcements over the next couple of days, I suspect. My my only worry with the superannuation release was talking to our like talking to a financial advisor, financial planner at the beginning of COVID when the super release was available to me. Yeah. Everyone I spoke to, including some financial planners, said if you don't need it, don't touch it because that's gonna compound and compound and compound over time. And that's gonna be part of like what you could call the nest egg when you retire. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But look, I think I, I think when during COVID, the you know, take ten grand out before thirty June and take ten after one July. That was that was purely just to make sure people, um, you know, had enough cash to get by. So you know, and it was a bit like you know, double dole, double job seeker and you know, job keeper. I think what the government was worried about was you know people people's mental health being impacted by worrying about money. So they didn't want to have to worry about money. So. Yeah, you know, we we've seen plenty of clients who've taken money out of super to for good things, pay down loans, pay off credit cards, that sort of thing. Um, realistically, you know, if you take money out of super and fritter it away on cars or boob jobs or holidays, um, <laughs> yeah, that's it's your choice, but it's probably not a very smart one. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, another thing we're going to talk about were just some statistics about March. Uh, the invest. Uh, sorry, the the data from APRA for yep. March about investor lending compared to owner occupied lending. Yep. So, um, investor lending grew at double the rate in March compared with February. So it received quite a big increase, but owner occupying yep. lending still outpaced it for March. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, think, part of this- that, yeah. The stats are clearly showing that. Well, first home buyers, especially. Um, upgraders, you know, that they're sort of leading the charge. People, you know, I think we're going to talk a bit later that renting in a lot of places is cheaper than buying. And I think, you know, a lot of people are sort of looking at what's happening overseas. You know, the pandemic is raging out of control. There was, it's, there's more cases daily now than at any time. And it's something, it, it could be five years before there's international travel. So you've got a lot of people, I think we've talked before about, a thousand, uh, sorry, a million people a month used to leave Australia um, to go overseas. Now they're not, so they're sitting around. Um, they're either re- if they're not if if they're renting, they're thinking, well, maybe it's time to buy a property. There's a bit of a herd mentality going on as well at the moment that you know people are, there's a bit of a fear of missing out. Um, with with the investors, you know, investors have sort of been sitting on the sidelines a little bit. I think probably waiting to see what happened when the rental moratorium's finished and what what sort of the, what, what was sort of going to happen there and yeah now that you know rents are increasing in some areas um your share you know, the, the share market is about as high as it's been uh property is not a bad not a bad investment so i think that's yeah. i think you'll, i think you'll find that um the number of investor loans will increase as a percentage over the coming months yeah okay Another thing we're going to talk about was some of the cashback offers from some of the non-major banks that have been extended. So um, I just wanted to sort of get your thoughts on it. So Citibank have extended it to May 31st. Um, eligible home loans can get four grand in cashback if it's if the loan value is 750 or more. Yeah. Um, 
ME Bank's got a similar deal, but with a lower cash back and a lower minimum loan amount. Yeah. Um, and PNN Bank, which is based in WA, I'm not um, familiar with that bank. Yeah, They've I've, got a similar settlement deadline, but. Yeah, I think they're on our panel, but I've, I've never used them. But, yeah, but, but at the moment, I think we've talked before about how most banks have realised that the best customers are people that have already got a loan with another bank because they've got yeah. an established payment record. They've already been checked out. They've probably got good equity in their property because it's grown over the last year. Um, yes, yeah, so there's plenty of banks offering cash back. So, you know, if you're, if you're existing bank or your parents' existing bank or anyone you know is existing bank, um, yeah, if, if you're paying 2% or more um, for a loan at the moment, um, yeah, have a chat. Have a chat with the broker about um, going to a bank that will give you a better rate and give you some cash as well. Because if if you if you say with the um, you know, one of the banks that a couple of banks are offering four grand, if you you might lose five hundred in refinance costs, but if you get that three and a half grand and pay it off your loan, um, it'll probably wipe, end up wiping about a year off your loan term. So it's yeah. um, it's, it's yeah, a bit okay. of an it's a bit of a no-brainer. And um, a bit more context too, um, data from Equifax found demand for home loans were up 23.5% between January and March of this year. Yep. So I guess the, the demand for housing hasn't really slowed down, um, no. or for a finance at least. Um, yeah, Third thing we're going to yes. cover was um, Hobart. So in 2017, oh, sorry, at the end of 2019, Hobart was the most affordable capital city of all of Australia. This yep. uh, change now that the prices are now overtaking Darwin, Perth and Adelaide. The yep. house price has increased um, from 2020 until now. It's increased 7.6% to $600,000 as a median price. So it's definitely outpacing as well as um, units as well. Units are going pretty crazy compared to what they were a number of years ago. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like um, Simon Presley, who was on the podcast, has been on a couple of times with you in 2014, so seven years ago, um, went out on a limb and basically said Hobart will be the best performing property market. And anyone that listened to him, and there was quite a few people that did, um, your property prices have just about, I, th I think it might have gone up 250% in that time, which is pretty amazing. Um Things like the they've got Mona, the you know, modern art museum. They've got a lot of um, tourism attractions, that sort of stuff. With the with the pandemic, um, yeah, as the the uh, report said, there's a lot of people that want lower density living. They want green space. They want fresh air. Um, and yeah, you know, Tassie's got that in spades. You know, it's there's there's not much traffic really, even during even during peak hour, there's not much traffic. You know, there's no real train line in the city, but um, so we've got quite a few clients in Hobart and um, it's a great place. So, yeah, you, you, you probably missed the growth growth curve there. Um, but, um, you know, there's certainly plenty of people from Melbourne relocating there. You know, they're selling places in, you know, Richmond or Turak or um, Brighton for, you know, two million bucks and buying yeah, you know, a, a place overlooking the Derwent for under a million dollars. So it's um yeah. it's a pretty special place. So yeah, you know, and, and it's I think it just highlights again something that we've said a few times that when you're looking at places to invest in, it's generally not going to be where you live. So you know, talk to yeah. talk to the experts. Like last week we had um 
John Linderman and uh, Goosh from Dash, Dash Dot join us up here in Newcastle for a seminar. And I've talked to quite a few people who went to that since, and it's sort of spurring them on to think about, well, you know, is it time to get an investment property? And if so, where? Yeah, okay. Um, another thing we're going to talk about was um, the the monthly pace of what they call capital gains, but um, the overall Aussie ho- housing value lifted by 1.8% in April, but it wasn't to outpace the once-in-a-month high of March where, so, sorry, in March, houses went up 2.8% across Australia as an average, um, and that was a 32-year high. Right. Yeah, it was, it was monster. Yeah, so uh, as of April, it lifted 1.8%, which is still a good increase. But um, CoreLogic thinks that the pace of the gains might slower, might go further down, might slow yeah. a little bit, especially yeah. as something John Linderman talks about at the moment, where one of the big indicators that will affect the price boom to maybe plateau or at least slow down is there might be more people looking to sell now. Um, yeah. people who were maybe wary of selling last year, wary of selling early this year, who are now going to give it a shot. Yeah, and you'll see, you'll see that, you know, that, that people will, you know, the house two doors down from them will go for a record price. So they'll think, you know, maybe it's time for us to sell. They might even want to relocate themselves. You know, they might be that person in Brighton, in Melbourne, who wants to, to move to Tassie, cash in, um, pop some extra money into their super or... They may be someone who lives in Sydney who has the opportunity to work from home and thinks like, oh, I'm going to go live up the Blue Mountains or um, you know, Lithgow or Orange or somewhere like that or up the north coast and um, you know, get, get a bit more fresh air and you know, go fishing and buy a boat and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think one of the things that seems to be coming through, though, is that the number of listings is going up. So with more supply and people... Yeah, you know, some people have given up. I think as well. Um, we've got plenty of we've got some clients that have given up because um, they just kept missing out. So I think um, yeah, it'll be interesting in the next six months. We'll see how see how it all pans out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was about customer owned banking. So they're called yeah. credit unions, if I'm correct. Yeah, um, mostly, but not always. Okay, and so is the idea of a customer owned customer-owned bank that the um, it's run by just the people. Sorry, I don't really understand how customer-owned banking works, if yeah, you could so, just explain it. Yeah, sort of roughly. Um, you've got some banks like, you know, the big four, um, they're run for you know, profit and to provide dividends to shareholders. So that's that's what they're there for. Customer-owned banking is where, you know, when you, when you become a, say Heritage Bank, you become a customer, you've got to be a member of the bank and rather than pay you know, exorbitant salaries and sponsor football teams and all this sort of stuff, they just plough their money back into better products and cheaper rates for their customers. So um, okay. that's sort of how, yeah. how yeah, it used to be, yeah, it's a bit, that's sort of roughly how it works. Yeah, okay. Well, so apart, just so to expand on that, Forbes magazine did a study of over 40,000 customers across 28 countries, asking yep. them to rate bank performance on metrics like customer satisfaction, financial advice, digital services, fees, and overall trust of the business. Um, yep. ING Group topped the list as one of the best banks. 
Um, yeah. The next four were customer uh, customer owned. The most popular banks in Australia being the Newcastle Permanent, Greater yeah. Heritage, and Beyond Bank. And Newcastle Permanent, I didn't realise, was a customer owned bank. Look, I think I'm not sure whether they still are. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Well, they're not on the stock exchange, so. Um, yeah. They probably are. I'm not exactly sure what their, their structure is, but I suppose the thing is, um, yeah, it's good that customers like the bank. They're more inclined to stay and uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, generally since the pandemic, um, the big four have, you know, got more market share. A lot of it's due to their, um, you know, during times of um, uncertainty, people like to stick to big brands because they feel safer and, you um, yeah, the, the, the big banks especially did do a good job during the height of the pandemic by helping customers who were struggling. So whether you, whether you like the big banks or hate them, um, they did do a good job. So hats off to I them. had a question. Do you, what do you think the pros and cons are of a customer-owned bank situation if that's who you're with? Look, I think in the end it's got to come, to, yeah, if you, if you want to go to... Uh, I suppose it's a, 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 probably a, an analogy is in superannuation where you've got industry super funds who don't pay fees and, you know, they, you know, they don't, um, you know, they don't, they don't have, you know, large staffs of people and all that sort of stuff. And the, the question you've probably got to ask yourself is, you know, might, you might feel good being in a customer-owned bank, but are they giving you the best deal? And yeah, some of the banks mentioned in that study um, for some of their lending products are not really the best deal going around. So whether it's a customer-owned bank you're with or a retail bank or a big four bank, it doesn't really matter because money's money. What you need to do is make sure you're in the best loan for your circumstances. So, um, yeah, some people will go to, like me, will go to Woolworths even if Coles is cheaper. Because I just like going there. I I like their brand. Um, some people like the brand of Beyond Bank. Some people like the brand of Heritage. The brand of the, the especially Newcastle and the other Greater Bank and um, and Newcastle Permia. A lot of people just bank with them because they just like their brand. Um, but in the end, um, it's good to like a brand. But if it's not the best loan for you, you're probably better off letting other people like the brand and going elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I just, yeah, like I've always wondered like what the benefits are and whether, you know, one's better than the other, but it's like anything, it's sort of an individual basis, you know, based yeah. on individual circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, last thing we're going to cover. So um, it's, it's interesting. There'd been a few weeks ago that different banks, I think it was the CEO of uh, NAB, Ross McEwen, was at a parliamentary yeah. hearing speaking about the difference in bro in, uh, turnaround times uh so yep. loan approvals the the difference in time for going directly to a bank and getting an approval to yep. uh compared to going through a broker so um the ceo of anz had their half year presentation for the stockholders to tell them how they're going he said that uh the time to a first decision for brokers and mobile lenders was between 12 and 30 business days depending on the type of deal um yeah whereas the direct-to-lender approach was much faster. It was always sort of two to three business days, even a day 
wasn't uncommon for the ANZ people. Um, yeah. It seemed less of an advertisement, but it sort of was more of a better explanation of why the direct channel consumption is usually more efficient. Things like, you know, if I'm a regular, if I've been with ANZ since I was a kid and I went up with ANZ and now I have a regular account with them, they've got a history of me as a customer for years. So it's a yeah. little easier for them to go through the loan process in, in comparison to maybe you're signing up a new client to ANZ and they don't know the person at all. They've got no history of this person's income, employment, yeah. living circumstances, all that stuff. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I, I sort of think of it in terms of home ground advantage. Now, if, you, if you're going direct to a branch, you know, it's almost like playing at home, playing at a home ground. You're used to it. You know what to expect. They've got all your info. You probably know the people. Um, the person you're speaking to is very familiar with their products, um, knows exactly what the like the assessment people want and will get that and that sort of thing and can probably help you get all that info together because they've got it all. So it's almost, you know, so it's almost like, um, you know, you go into a place you're pretty familiar with, whereas if you come to a broker, we may choose ANZ or NAB or, you know, Beyond Bank as the best lender for you. Um, it might take us longer to get all the info together because, if you're not one of their customers, you may not have access to all the info and all that sort of thing. And then um, because a broker may not do many loans with that lender all the time, they might have policy changes and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's just, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a runner at the Olympics, you're, you're going to be a lot more successful. Well, it's going to be easy to be a runner at the Olympics rather than a, someone who's in the decathlon. And, in the decathlon, a broker's like in the decathlon because they've got 10 different products they can offer. So I just think at the moment the main issue brokers have is when the bank says that they will not, when we get a customer and we go to a couple of banks and we run the scenario without telling the bank who the client is by a lender and get told no, they won't do it, that when the customer then goes direct to the branch and gets the loan, that's the major. That's one of the major issues, that there's a different treatment um, for customers that go direct as opposed to those that go through brokers. So, look, probably a key takeout from this is that um, at the moment quite a lot of lenders' timeframes are really long. I read in one of the posts on the Facebook page we're on where they said for a discharging a mortgage, Commonwealth Bank are taking 40 business days. Yeah. Okay. So so if you need, if you want to refinance away from Commonwealth Bank, um, by the time they get the discharge request, it could be eight weeks before they can discharge your loan. So at the moment, um, yeah, it's very a lot of lending is very paper driven at the moment, and that's you know probably why someone like NAB bought eighty six four hundred because they're looking for more um, for more streamlined digital um, transactions with with mortgages. So, but at the moment, you know, I'm not sure who's right or who's wrong. But the key thing for brokers is if you have a client who needs finance in two weeks, 
don't go to a lender whose turnaround time is three weeks. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, simple. It's really- if, and I always say to the brokers I talk to, if you travel the same way to work at the same time and get stuck in the same traffic jam, whose fault is it that you're in the traffic jam? Yeah, it's not the traffic's fault, it's your fault. You know, change your yeah. behaviour, leave earlier or leave later or catch a bus. So, yeah. you know, when, when for people who are getting finance, make sure you're really clear with the bank or the broker exactly what your time frame is. And, yeah, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning from um, one of the real estate talk guys and he was talking to um, a broker and they're basically saying, if you're not pre-approved, don't even bother going to open homes. And that, yeah. that's the advice, that's yeah. advice we've always that's the advice we've always given to our clients. If you're not pre-approved, don't even go looking. You're just wasting your time and everyone else's. Yeah, no, that's fair. Espe- yeah, yeah, especially with how busy and how competitive it is right now. If you're not ready with money to uh, make the purchase, I think real estate agents won't take you serious. That's what Kate Bacos spoke about. This was a couple of months ago now when we visited her in uh, Melbourne somewhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, she said that's a similar that, thing. Yeah, and it's true. That's that's the thing. Like if, if it's like going into a car dealership and taking cars for a drive and then, the, you know, the person says, yeah, well, um, what do you have a trade and, you know, do you have um, – yeah, do you want to buy the car? Oh, no, I don't have any money. Like you've just wasted your time and their time. Yeah, maybe it hasn't wasted your time because you've always wanted to drive a car like that. I don't know. But it's the sort of thing that um, life life is reasonably stressful without adding stress to it yourself. So, yeah, yeah my, and that's the advice we give to all our clients. Um, get the... We talk, we talk about how the first half of the property game is getting finance and the second half is buying the property. So make yeah. sure make sure that you're getting um, – you've got your finance in place. Um, as you know, you know if, if you have to rush to get finance, you, your options will be limited and they may not include the, you know, the better and cheaper lenders that are around. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we finish the episode up? Um, look, I think the budget's going to be really interesting. It's on in two nights or um, actually by the time this is um, out, it would have been over. So keep it, just, you know, listen out for, for anything there that might impact your property and or David, I will continue without him unless this gets caught in the fray. Um, we'll finish it there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we had some te- technical difficulties at the end of that episode with David. Uh, so his basic point was just keep an eye on the new budget, look into it, read up about it, see what you can learn and see what announcement might pertain to you and your individual circumstances. So I um, hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week.